soccer, not football. This is our second episode, and we are very, very glad to have you around. Isn't that right, Daniel? Yeah, yeah. Thank you for joining us, everybody. Um, we're we're excited that we actually have some games to talk about today. Yeah. Yeah, the international break is over. Um, club football finally started over the weekend, and uh, yeah, let's uh, get let's just jump straight into it. Yeah, first we'll uh, we'll drive ourselves up the channel to uh, to England. Talk about a couple games up there. Um, probably the marquee matchup of the weekend was Tottenham Hotspur versus Man City, and Spurs came away with the two zero road victory, um, taking over Pep's side. Uh, Man City had like eighty percent of the ball in this game, but they still were not able to score a goal. Uh, I don't know if you saw Mourinho's quote after the game, but someone asked him about that someone asked him about man city having 80 percent possession and he said they can take the ball home i'll take the three points and i think that kind of sums up Mourinho in general his teams maybe don't play the prettiest they don't play the beautiful game but they get results they get wins and that's exactly what spurs are doing right now yeah spurs are absolutely firing on all cylinders right now they're getting the job done no matter how pretty or how ugly it may seem and Marino will always adapt to his opponent. Um, I don't know if you ever saw that uh, documentary uh, on Amazon, All or Nothing, with him and Tottenham in his first half season. And I remember there's this one um, clip of him talking about the matchup between Man United. Well, obviously he had the he had the advantage of coaching many nights so he obviously knew some like weaknesses but like he was talking about oh a play where they would do a switch to cross across the field to Marcus Rashford and he told his players to watch out for that and exactly that's that was exactly that happened in that game that they played so he knows how to get he so he definitely does his research to figure out his team's weaknesses and that he adapts his team to attack the opponent's weakness. So that was something that I always admired about Mourinho. And it looks like it's working out for Tottenham so far. They are, they're near the top of the league. Um, I think they led for the first time since 2014. So things are looking up and up compared to when he took over last year. If we go uh, across town to their to the North London rivals, uh, Arsenal keeps sneaking up the joint. This weekend they tied nil nil with Leeds, but they just they can't create anything on offense. They they have no ideas going forward. Their team kind of just looks lost. To be honest, it just they don't have the talent on their team. They don't have good enough players who. Uh, who can control the games and actually create stuff. Yeah, they got Obama Yang, but even him this year, he has been doing absolutely nothing. You could have put me out there for most of those games and I would have done as good as he's done. So it's people were thinking Arteta maybe could change the team around. And yeah, they won the FA Cup last year and they made it to Europe and Europa League. But I don't know. I think, I think it's time to admit that Arsenal are, are mid. They're they're no longer one of the one of the big teams in England, at least for the time being. 
they need to get some better players in there and maybe they can turn their fortunes around. But, but right now they're just, they're average. I don't know if I want to write them off as mid because as you know, things can turn to turn, like things can change and drop a dime. As we've seen like, Oh, with Tottenham, like they were struggling that whole season. Right. Um, and they made the Champions League the season before. Um, and now they found a system that works uh, compared to the with Tottenham and Chelsea. Right now they're clicking, and right now with Arsenal, it's not happening. And I don't want to place the blame on Arteta. I think he has a system in place because he has been getting results, um, especially with Man City in the FA Cup semifinal and Chelsea in the FA Cup final. And it wasn't that long ago at the beginning of the season that they won the their first three, two, three games and they were on top of the league. So it's definitely going to take some growing pains. But I feel that it ne- Arteta needs more time to turn things around. But I definitely do not see Arsenal contending for anything, anything this season. Yeah, I, I agree with that. It's not all on Arteta. Um, it's It's mostly on the players. They just they lack the talent in their positions. They have a lot of young guys, a lot of guys who aren't, aren't really proven and it's, it's showing through the days of having superstars like Van Persie, Henri, uh, Vieira, just guys, guys who are like the best players in the world. They don't have that anymore. So Arsenal fans need to kind of taper down their expectations and, and be happy with what they have right now. I remember the beginning, the beginning of last season, they got all these new players, and it's like, oh, we're going to come for everything. I'm, and I remember this season, they were so excited. They got William, a 34-year-old Chelsea player. So definitely, like, please calm down, Arsenal fans. It's going to take some time. You're not going to win the league for at, least a, for at least a year. Definitely not this year. You know, just be humble for a little bit. It will serve you well. All right, the, uh, the next game we're going to talk about, uh, switching countries now, we're going to go to Italy, talk about the marquee matchup of the weekend. Uh, Napoli won, AC Milan three. Uh, Milan are, are really staking a claim that they might be contenders this year in Serie A. Uh, and they're in the three big matchups this year against Roma, Inter, and now Napoli, they're two wins and one draw. So they've been, they've been taking on the, the biggest and baddest in Italy, and they've been – they're, they're clicking. They're on the grind. They're unstoppable. They're they're clicking on all cylinders right now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Ibrahimovic is looking good up front. They got yeah. some solid midfielders who are who have really turned a corner. Frank Kessie and Benacer. They've been miles better than they were when they got them a couple years ago. So I think Milan are, are contenders. They're not. They're no longer pretenders. Yeah, definitely. They do, they do have to watch out for Ibrahimovic's injury. He did get hurt um, during the Napoli game. Um, they're still waiting on the results of that, but he has been a major factor to his to Milan's uh, success. So it would be a blow if he's out for any type of extended time. But let's just give props to Ibrahimovic for – he came to Milan and, you know – the beginning of last season, they weren't doing that well. You know, it it was looking like more of the same. And 
I feel like he has single-handedly turned this team around. And the fact that he just continues to age back the clock is, yeah, there's no one who can do it like him except for no one at his age, no one at his, like, peak who has been there for so long who can keep being consistent like that. Like, the man survived MLS and came back to (laughs) European soccer. Exactly. People were making fun of MLS because they were like, oh, old-ass Ibrahimovic is tearing it up. But he's come back to Serie A and he's doing the same exact thing. Everywhere that man goes, he's a winner. And he just – he continues to to break the mold. Mm-hmm. I will say it was a shame that he didn't even make the playoffs during his time in MLS. Like, he was That's- carrying the galaxy at that time. Right, right. He was one of the top goal scorers. I think he scored 30 goals in his last season there. But that that was more how to to do with the the LA Galaxy and how bad they were. They actually yeah. did make the playoffs his uh, his last season. They were like a five or six seed in the playoffs, and they won a playoff game. But they were oh, okay, okay. they were they were kind of a kind of a mid team. They weren't great. They were yeah. Ibrahimovic and Bleh, essentially. Yeah. It was the Ibrahimovic show, which is a show I definitely will want to watch. So this what it is. The uh, the last game we'll get into here is. Uh, PSG Monaco, PSG mm-hmm. two, Monaco three. Um, Mon- or PSG were up two nil in this game at halftime. Monaco bring on Cesc Fabregas, and the game turns on its head. Ends up three two. Fabregas scores a PK and gets an assist, and proves that you know class is permanent. No matter no matter how old you get, you can still if you know how to kick a ball, you can still kick a ball. Yeah, yeah. It looked like PSG was coasting to another win, uh, definitely win against one of their big uh, contending rivals for the season. And then, I don't know, um, they couldn't stop uh, the adjustments Monaco made. Uh, Cesc Fabregas absolutely uh, control, uh, changed the game, and he was rewarded with a goal of his own. And was, is it, was it, do you feel like it was a one-off for PSG? Or a sign of days to come. It might be, or look like it might be a tougher uh, road to the season for um, League One than PSG might have expected. PSG just kind of lack lack that solid player in the middle that they've had in the last couple of years. They've always had Thiago Silva back there. He's no longer there. Um, usually they have Verratti in the midfield, but he's been hurt lately. He's not there. So they, they really lack that, like, guy in the center of the center of the field to just calm things down to just play defense really they have a lot of good attackers they got Di Maria Neymar Mbappe we all know that but that's only one side of the game you need to have players who can who can defend who can pass who can do all the dirty work and they just they're just lacking those guys right now they don't have they don't have quality in those positions yeah I definitely felt that was like a major factor in like why they lost against Bayern personally I thought that, you know, the scoreline was a bit generous than the actual result because once Bayern scored, then pretty much, like, there was nothing that PSG could do. And they kept turning to Mbappe and Neymar, but if one of those guys has a bad day, then the whole team has a bad day. You know? right. And in League One, you can get away with that because you're not going up against the best team in the world. So mm-hmm. in League One, they might be able to survive. But when it comes to Champions League – I mean, last year they got as close as they'd ever gotten before, but man, I, I don't, I don't really see 
see them contending again this year in Champions League. But you never know. Yeah. Yeah, right now they're only two points um, ahead of uh, their closest contenders, uh, Lille. And then everyone else is – there's a tie for third place, Leon, Montepeller, and Monaco. So it's looking like a tight race. So we'll definitely keep you all updated on that. So moving on to – um, finally, Champions League action. The champions! How, how was that? Did I hit the high note? Uh, yeah. Yeah, you did. Yeah. Okay. All right. Thank you for, for mine. Um, so, PSG had to shake off that uh, shock loss to Monaco and um, play RB Lesbig, um, who is one of the major contenders in the group of death between PSG, uh, RB Lesbig, and uh, Manchester United. And uh, they're able to pull off a win off, once again, a Neymar um, goal. And it looks like they are, they're definitely in the driver's seat for, the, uh, for Group H. Yeah, with that group, you don't know because all those teams have beaten up on each other. You know, Man United beat both those teams, and then they lost to the, the mm-hmm. Turkish team. So yeah. you don't really know how the Champions League games are going to go. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm saying Leipzig lost because they didn't start Tyler Adams. If they had started Tyler Adams, they would have won 3-0. So that's what they get for not playing the American. Yeah, yeah. And speaking of Americans who did play, um, we actually had two um, players who participated in Barca's uh, 4-0 win against uh, Dynamo. Um, Sergio Des started off the party with a great, with a great shot. Um, it was a tough shot as well. Um, he found a way to get over, found the opening, and he slotted home his very first goal for Barcelona. Uh, the fir- very first American to score for Barcelona, in fact. And then um, later on, once uh, Martin Brathwaite uh, made it 3-0, they started adding some subs, and Conrad De La Fuente was one of them, making his very first appearance for Barcelona. So definitely yeah. a, a great day for, um, for the two Americans. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Dest, he, uh, he kind of stole the ball from his teammate there. He stole it from Braithwaite and just took the shot and scored, but I'm, I'm glad he did. Uh, it's it's a look ahead to the future, and and man, I'm excited. Yeah. So now we have so those were some of the major games that occurred during the day. We also have one game that also occurred. Chelsea booked their spot into the round of 16 against a a last minute shot, um, last minute goal against uh, Rennes. Uh, Olivia Giroud, who has been the um, source of several um, transfer rumors, uh, he is currently unhappy with the t- amount of playing time he is getting and wants to leave. He wants to get playing time for Euros that are coming this summer to solidify his starting spot. And um, he came on, he scored the winning goal. And Chelsea are through to the next round of the Champions League. Yeah, uh, it's a real sad day because Sevilla also put their place in the round of 16, so now they can't win the Europa League for like the yeah. 600th time in a row. Yeah, yeah, that was that's their, that's their trophy right there. 
Yeah. They made their mark on that. Yeah. Barcelona also advanced, uh, which is in stark contrast to their league position. They are they are struggling. Messi was taken off that today's game um, to need the rest. Um, it's not things are the relationship between Messi and Barcelona is not looking good right now. This yeah, this is definitely looking like uh, they should have got rid of him this summer. He, he requested to leave, and they didn't let him go. They said, no, you got to stay with us. And right now it's looking like the wrong move. I know he's the best player in the world or one of the best players in the world, but it just looks like he's disinterested. He doesn't want to be there. The rest of the team is kind of just muggling along. They're, yeah, they look not good right now. Mm-hmm. I'm glad I'm not a Barca fan because I would have no hair. I would have ripped it all <laughs> out by now. So frustrating. Yeah, when, like, your greatest player says, like, I'm tired of being blamed for everyone's mistakes, for all the team's mistakes, it's not, it's not a promising sign that you're contending for titles. You're probably contending for relevance at that point. But, you know, um, Barca fired their club president, or the club president resigned, um, which was a major source of contention for, for Messi. So we'll see if things pick up, but, you know, we shall see. And for tomorrow's Champions League action, the marquee matchup, Real and Inter uh, Milan. Real struggled these their first two games, and they need, they need a win against Inter to, to really look like – um, shake off the rust from the second half of the Champions League action. Yeah, whoever loses that game tomorrow is going to be in deep trouble. Uh, if there is a loser tomorrow, they're going to be four, they're going to be last in the group, and there's only two games left. So you can win your games, but you're going to need some help from the other games to go your way if you want to qualify. So for both teams, it's a must-win. Yeah, who do you think needs it more? I think Real needed more. I think Inter kind of – they don't not care about the Champions League, but Antonio Conte definitely cares more about Serie A. That's his main focus. He wants to win that. That's their number one priority. So it's not that they don't care about Champions League. It's just that it's it's like, yeah, great if we do great, but if we don't, we're still going to go for Serie A. might actually be a blessing for them, so they have to play less games. I hear you. I hear you. Definitely, like, Real's pedigree is like, oh, we win Champions League. So, and it's been two, two years since they last won one. And for those fans, you know, they're gaining patient. The club is gaining patient. So, another year, it might not be, you know, there might be questions uh, asked of Sedan if he's not, like, getting the main objective, you know? 100%, yeah. Real expects to win everything, and those are their goals. So if you come up short, then, then yeah, you're, you're going to lose your job real quick. All right, so that was a recap of the last weekend's games as well as the upcoming games um, for the week. But we wanted to take things back a bit and um, just recap a couple, recap the international break, especially um, 
the U.S. International Window. Um, as we talked about last week, we did a squad breakdown of the U.S. men's team as they were preparing to play against Wales and Panama. And the Wales game ended in a 0-0 draw, but the Panama game ended on a high note with a six, it was six, it was six one, it was a six one win. Yeah, a lot of goals scored, uh, a lot of promising performances, and it and overall um, things are looking bright. Yeah, yeah, there's definitely some positive takeaways from from these two games. We finally had some actual games to watch, so that was great. Um, first thing I want to talk about is our midfield. Our midfield looks a thousand times better than it ever has before. Um, we had we played McKinney, Adams, and Eunice Musa, and all three of those guys played very well. Um, all those guys were able to take the ball, move on the half turns, and and drive the ball forward, which is something that our, our midfielders usually cannot do. Usually we have destroying midfielders who are good at defense or guys who just make long passes. But these guys, you could give them the ball, they could beat a defender, and then they could pass it off to the next guy. Uh, I was really impressed by Weston McKinney. That's probably the best he's ever looked in a U.S. shirt. He still needs to work on his end product a little bit, his, his final passes and his final balls need a little bit of improvement. But just the way he was willing and able to take on players, um, he's doing roulettes out there. He's, he's given the, uh, the Italian hand gestures to opponents when they're – when they're bugging him off. So he, he really took a, a step up in my opinion. Um, Adams was everything that I thought he would be. He was, he was great positioning in both games. Um, was really good at stopping counterattacks and letting us get back the ball. And Eunice Musa was kind of the perfect combo between them. He, uh, he won the penalty or he won the free kick that got us our first goal against Panama. And Overall, just Greg Burhalter needs to do everything he can to, to get him to commit to the U.S. team because if they can have those trio, all those guys are 22 or younger. So they can, they can really be together for a long time and, and do some great things. Yeah, I'm surprised that Burhalter hasn't pulled out all the stops. He, did, he needs to – I don't know what they need to do. Like, I'm not – advising him to bribe but if he happened to yeah of course we're not we're not man city but if they happen to leave a case of money to his bank account and he happened to sign with the men's national team you know i i wouldn't be mad at it i wouldn't be mad at it um uh, up he played great I was definitely, I was definitely very impressed um, with how he, uh, with how he played with McKinney and Adams. Um, he really looked like he belonged. It looked like it wasn't his first game. He, like he was out there for like, for four, like five, four years. And I agree with uh, McKinney really coming to his own, especially with Pulisic um, unable to uh, participate in the camp. Uh, I think like uh, it really looked up to him to be, you know, that, that like face, you know, and 
I really think that like he can be the face of uh, U.S. soccer. You know, I know everyone is always focused on um, Pulisic because you know he has to look. He has like he because he came before. He was like documented before, but um, McKinney has really like grown into uh, his role uh, back at uh, Schalke, Schalke, and. Now, like, at Juventus, like, um, he's really making, like, a name. He's really playing down roots there and roots in the national team. And I'm excited to uh, see his grow. Another exciting thing for me was seeing all the uh, young attacking players out there. Um, a lot of them really impressed me. Uh, Uli Yanez, Timothy Weah, Richie Ledesma, all those guys um, had – had solid performances out there. Uh, Ledesma had two assists and created the most chances, and he was subbed on for 15 minutes. Uh, Uli looked really good in there. He was he was skilling people. He nutmegged a guy. Um, he was combining really well. Uh, he's still not getting minutes with his club team, which I do not understand. But he he'll be a good backup if Pulisic is hurt, and Pulisic has struggled with injuries recently, so. It's nice to know that we won't be we won't be all dried up if Pulisic's gone. We'll have some options off the bench. Yeah, yeah. And um, Gio Reyna scored his first goal of the day a couple of days after his 18th birthday, uh, making him one of the youngest goal scorers in uh, U.S. history. Um, it was a it was a real well taken free kick, a low free kick. Um, um, yeah, and again, he's tearing it up at Dortmund. He's getting minutes. Um, Conrad, he also got some playing time, um, against Wales. Um, he, he wasn't that impressive as I thought, um, playing with the, not playing against Wales. He did miss a couple chances here and there, but I'm not going to hold him to it. It's his first game. You know, everyone's going to have a great game, great first game or not the best first game. So, you know, of course, we want to give them time because, like I said, this this has been, like, the first time in months we had, like, a team a squad like this. Or first time in years we even had, like, a young squad like this. So, obviously, it's going to take time to gel. It's up to Greg Berhalter to, you know, um, get the best out of this squad right and yeah also, everything yeah. everything wasn't going to be perfect from day one they only had three practices together before the wales game so it's not like these guys are super familiar with each other um one negative about these two friendlies was we still need to find our second center back our second starting center back mm-hmm. uh, john brooks was was solid against wales he he was good defending good at passing um but miazga he started both games for us against Wales and Panama. Against Wales, he was okay. He didn't really have any mistakes. He was good at passing the ball. Uh, but against Panama, he was just – he made a couple mistakes, and that led to two goals for Panama. He kind of just drifts away from the, the center forward. He gets a, a foot of space, and he's able to head home a goal. And then on the second one, he – instead of defending, he puts his hand up to try to call for an offside. The offside doesn't come. And we go up the second goal. 
and you were you were uh, hating on Tim Ream last time, and he didn't look all that impressive uh, back there with him. Because so, he's old. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely part of it. Um, so we're still looking for for that second center back back there. Chris Richards came in mm-hmm. against uh, Panama at the end. He looked solid, but but by then the game was kind of already out of reach. Panama had already kind of had their comeback and then kind of got swept on the rug. So take take his performance with a grain of salt. But that's that's the guy I'm I'm looking forward to 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 seeing his development. Hopefully he can be the that pair paired up guy next to John Brooks. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad he got some playing time to see what other um options we do have at uh that position because it's not looking there's still room for improvement. And there's another player I wasn't too big on, Sebastian Legette. He proved me wrong, okay, with a goal. Um I wasn't that I still wasn't like Sold on him during the Wales game. Um, there were some chances. He had a couple of chances um, over there that I felt like he didn't really capitalize on. But, you know, overall, um, not not the – a pretty decent uh, performance from him. So another option to consider uh, from the MLS side along with Morris and – Sardes and how do you, how you see them fit into the young squad? It'll be interesting to see how uh, how Berhalter incorporates the MLS guys. Um, they're supposed to have a camp next month sometime in December. That hasn't been confirmed yet, but they're supposed to be a game or two with mainly MLS guys because their season will be done. Um, so we'll see some of those guys out there, which will be nice just to just to get a group together and just watch some more games. Get some more, get some more uh, data points on these guys, and just. I think Morris is not a locked-in starter, but he's definitely someone who'll be who'll be on the roster. So same with Zardes, just because he's familiar and he gets the job done. Yeah, he's not great, but you know he'll give you a seven out of ten every game. Um, and then it'll be interesting to see if any of the young MLS guys can can break through. If there's any. Any of those young guys can maybe stake a claim. We didn't even mention that we had two guys scored braces in the game. Uh, oh, yeah. Um, Nicholas Giochini and mm-hmm. Sebastian Soto both yes. got two goals. So that just kind of tells you the, the talent and the excitement that we saw this weekend. Yeah. And I feel like the reason – well, obviously there's a huge gap – uh, between like this generation and the last like uh, generation that made the World Cup, there wasn't that like development between then that really like um, that really um, that we really needed at that time. So it's really refreshing that we're getting a bunch of players that we have options that we can utilize. And I really feel like a catalyst for, for that growth is obviously uh, a player who wasn't able to make it, but his name is pretty much synonymous with the national team at this point, um, Christian Pulisic. And um, I feel like he's the one who set it all off uh, back all the way back in 2016. Yeah, Pulisic, uh, he was really the – the trailblazer for 
young players going abroad and, and doing big things at big European clubs. Uh, at the age of 16, he went over to Dortmund and, and challenged himself really to, to play with the best. Because if you want to beat the best, you got to be able to, to play with them. And he has just gotten better and better every season. Uh, now he finds himself at, at Chelsea, and he's one of their, their main attacking stars. Um, what did you see last year from, from him at Chelsea? I know you're a big Chelsea fan. So how do you, how do you think he fit in to the, to the Chelsea team last year? So um, he originally had some minutes um, to begin the season, and then he kind of fell out of favor. Um, I want to say fell out of favor. Um, there is an adjustment period, and um, the coach, Frank Lampard, was looking at different options at the time from his squad. So at times it appeared that Pulisic was being just left out or frozen out. There are times when he wasn't even selected uh, for Champions League play. But like uh, you said, like he committed himself to be better and keep working like he did at Dortmund. And slowly, it was a real gradual, like, uh, a process for him to, like, get back and, like, gain more time and then finally starting. And then I think it clicked when um, that game against Ajax, um, which Sergio Des also played when he was in Ajax, um, that away game uh, in the Champions League where – he scored the game-winning assist uh, to Michi Batuai that, like, gave him that confidence. It gave um, the manager the confidence to um, trust him more, to start him more, and immediately he paid that off with the um, with the hat, with the perfect hat-trick against Burnley. And then he did get hurt again, but then once the restart happened, he went off on an absolute tear, um, scoring, I think, like four or five goals uh, during the restart. His game against uh, Liverpool, uh, where he came in and immediately like changed the outcome of the game, which looked like it was going to be a Liverpool massacre at Chelsea. And they brought him back to the brink. Like, they were literally go away from my time. And he scored a goal in that game. Like, I think we saw like he can really be game changer for for that for that squad. And um now he's and then obviously with the FA Cup final he scored um in the opening minute becoming the very first American to score in the FA Cup final. But fortunately he suffered a hamstring injury, which is something that he's still working from uh throughout the season. Um he got some playing time. He scored uh, against – I can't even pronounce the, that name. Uh, Turkish team? Yeah, that Turkish team in our group. But then he got um, he got written out because of an injury he picked up during warm-ups uh, the game after. So he's still working his way from that. We haven't seen him since. That's why he had to leave the U.S. camp. Um. And it's looking, and with how Chelsea is uh, clicking right now with with the Werner, Abraham, Havertz link up, and Mount link up, you know, 
it looks like he's going to have to – his spot isn't going to be a given, you know. And there's also Cal Hutton-Doy, who's also – who plays in the same um, winger spot with him. So there's obviously going to be competition with him. But I feel that if he can – if he did it before, then he could definitely do it again. I think that's exactly what we want for Pulisic, though. We want him to to challenge himself and to to win the starting job, not just to go to a place that'll that'll cater to him and just be like, "Oh yeah, you're you're our star. We're going to give you everything we want." Like for me personally, I want him to to have to earn everything that he gets because that's going to make him a much better player than he already is, and he's already a very good player. Um, in in the hex in 2018, he was. He was 18, 19 years old, and he was by far our best player. In 12 games, he scored seven goals, five assists. In the last two games, when we were just slow and lethargic, he was one of the only players to try to actually do something against Trinidad and Tobago and to try to fight us out of there. And he was the, he was the youngest guy on the pitch. So I think he just needs to keep challenging himself and – he, he will succeed. He, there's no doubt in my mind that this kid is a, is he's the first American superstar in soccer. And I'm pretty confident in saying that he might already be the best player to ever play for the United States men's national team. Already? He might be better. He might be better than Donovan and he might be better than Dempsey. Yes. Maybe, maybe it's hard to make that claim because he doesn't have the longevity, but just, what he's been able to do, what he does is just, it's just different. Like, like you said earlier against Liverpool, um, especially after the restart, just the way he can drive with the ball at his feet is, is something that, that no other American really has ever been able to do that. He can just, he can skip past defenders. Like it's nothing. He can just blow by them and then he can either cut in and take a shot or he can pass it to someone else and they'll make a move, but he's just so fun and exciting to watch. Yeah, yeah. I remember, like, his first Premier League games. Like, I, I would see him, like, try to cross my run, and he would just get bodied, you know, because the Premier League just was, like, a physical game. And it was it was a little concerning to see, like, oh, would he be able to, like, size up or, like, will be adjust? And no, like, he just kept going, and and it was up to the defenders to catch up to him at that point and I really like and do you think his like development why how he was able to become to get to his level to get to this like elite level of play that we see from like um from other attackers like Neymar or like Mbappe or or Ronaldo or Messi like do you think it's because he got that he got that European experience? He got that like academy experience in Europe. That that definitely uh, pushed him forward. Absolutely, it's not just like how good you are, but it's also how fast you think. That's why the the European game is a lot different than over here. They in Europe they play two three steps ahead. You're they're already thinking about what's happening next before it happens. Here in America, the game's a lot slower, a lot, a lot more uh, pragmatic. It's like you know, don't do tricks and skills, don't do any of that stuff. But in 
in Europe, it's kind of, it's much more creative, much more fluid, but also much quicker. And getting that experience when you're younger, it, it can only help you. And I think you, you started to see the fruits of it last year after the restart. He still needs to produce a little bit more. He's still not the best at producing goals and assists. Um, his numbers, especially at Dortmund, I don't think he ever had above six goals in a season. Um, nah, so, I think you're right. Yeah. Yeah. It was, yeah, definitely surprising because, like, in the be- begin, in the end, when he was being bought by Chelsea, he still stayed at Dortmund. That was his last year. Like, he was, he was fine with, uh, so Shadon Sancho for for minutes. It was either him or Sancho, and usually like Sancho was the was a wonder boy, and he had the he had the higher profile at that point. So it looked like it appeared like when we bought him, he appeared like oh his he might have reached a plateau, or like there might have been like oh this is his peak. But when he came to Chelsea, like immediately his production like improved and of course like most of that production came in bunches as well so i would love to see more consistency from him yeah it's just there's a lot that we can we can talk about Pulisic. and just like another fact um he is he has broken so many um records um in the u.s in, uh, national team. He is our youngest goal scorer. He, I'm a hundred percent sure she. He is our youngest goal scorer ever. And fun fact, like he could have gone to Croatia, and Croatia was in the World Cup final against France. And who knows if they had him, then we could have seen like a great upset. But I guess technically he could have gone to Croatia because he's of uh, Croatian heritage, but. I mean, he was born in Hershey, Pennsylvania. He was he grew up as an American, so it kind of would have been not disheartening, but kind of yeah, it would have been kind of disheartening if he had chosen <laughs> the show for us. But if he chose Croatia, I would have I would jumped off a bridge. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. I probably. It, it, yeah. I'm glad that he actually now has a co- one coach that he can he can learn under at Dortmund. His last three seasons, I think he had four coaches. They were going mm-hmm. through coaches like crazy. Um, and that just kind of doesn't breed stability. All your, the coaches are asking you to kind of do different things. And maybe they're asking you to do things you're not as familiar with or not as good at. So now he's under Frank Lampard, who's still kind of trying to figure out where his best position is. But he at least has a role and like, he has a path forward, which is, mm-hmm. which is like he can see and he can see what he needs to improve upon to, to be a better player. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, and like I said, the man is only 22. So, you know, we can all, it's only up from here. Hopefully. And, yeah. Ho- hopefully yeah. he can, uh, he can lead us to a world cup in 2022. Not a, not a world cup win. Just, Hopefully we can make it to the World Cup, and he's he'll be a big reason why. Yeah, I feel like his impact has already been like has already been stated. Like he, no matter what happens, he has already left a legacy. No matter what, um, that like he was the reason. Like he was the catalyst for all of these young players coming in. Before that, it was just 
Julian Green. Do you remember Julian Green? He's Julian Green's still around. He's still around in the German second division. Uh, he's uh, seeing goal highlights of him every once in a while. But yeah, I, I do remember Julian Green being yeah. the uh, the big hope for us. Mm-hmm. And then who else? Aaron Johansson and he, he's, Bobby he's, Wood. Yeah, all those all those guys are still kicking around. Now they're at yeah. like yeah second third division teams, but. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's going to happen to Pulisic. I don't think he'll be playing in, in Norway in three years. He'll, he'll find his way to another big club, and, and he'll, he'll have a good long career as long as he can stay healthy, which has kind yeah. of been a problem for him. He's, he's been kind of injury-prone these mm-hmm. this last year, year and a half. So, Yeah, it's definitely something to watch out for. Um, yeah, yeah, definitely picked up a few injuries here and there. Um, like I said, like hopefully, if he can get through a whole season, then there's no stopping him. Hundred percent, yeah. yeah. And especially with the the attacking options Chelsea has, he's always going to be playing with with good players around him. So that can only make him better. That can only elevate his game. Christian Pulisic, the American, the first American superstar in soccer history. I don't know. I don't yeah. know if I would call him a superstar just yet. He he needs Not to. Just yet? He needs to. I mean, because it's kind of hard to say like where he stands. Like a lot of people around the world probably know him, but like how well do they know him? You know. Yeah. He he needs to like get up a level or two before I would consider him a superstar. But he's he's not he's, he's not he's not on LeBron level yet. Right. Or like. Exactly. What be like a good comparison like you think maybe i want to say he was like known but like not well known he's like jamal murray or like donovan mitchell like jamal, those guys. what okay okay Did J- donovan mitchell that kind of makes sense i know J- donovan mitchell probably like i don't know joel Embiid or i don't know um victor oladipo i don't know but definitely well known in the soccer world um but not on his way yet. There's still a bunch of superstars he needs to suppress. But like I said, a long future ahead, only 22. Um, the Olympics next year, the World Cup in 2022, World Cup qualifications uh, coming soon. Um, so plenty of opportunities to keep cementing his legacy to the national team. He's rocking a beard now too, which you know makes him look mighty fine. I, I want him to keep keep that up, keep up his his facial hair. Yeah, yeah. He he really took a page out of your out of your notebook, huh? I mean, I don't, I don't really got any facial hair, but looks good on him. Yeah, yeah. Maybe he can unlock another mode. You know, like how Kobe had like the black mamba. Um, Kyrie had the face mask. Um, LeBron had the headband. That's it. Beard Pulisic. Beard Pulisic. Yeah, there you go. Mm -hmm. All right. So with that, um, that is all we have for y'all today. Um, We wish you a very happy uh, Thanksgiving, except for the pilgrims. They can choke. Um, And we wish you well until the next episode of Soccer Not Football. This is Della Akalatse. This is Daniel. Go Yanks. Go go Yanks. Woo!